0: This is Reclaiming the Narrative, Rochester's community-powered news radio show for Friday, August 13th. Coming up, we host a panel discussion with Reclaiming the Narrative contributors about community media, grassroots journalism, and the news stories that have shaped Rochester over the past few years. All that and more on this week's edition of Reclaiming the Narrative. Joining me today are three Reclaiming the Narrative contributors. Abby Clark is a longtime arts and culture reporter for Reclaiming the Narrative and the producer of the weekly segment, Art Blooms. Abby, thanks so much for taking the time today.
1: Of course. thanks you for having me.
0: Laura Smith is one of the most recent contributors to join our news team. She reports on local government and a range of policy issues. Laura, thanks so much for taking the time out.
2: No, oh, Thank you for having me.
0: And Mary Lawrence is a reporter for Reclaiming the Narrative, where she co-produces the weekly segment, The Inequality Index. She also teaches media literacy, and earlier this year, she offered an online workshop on spotting fake news and propaganda in partnership with Reclaiming the Narrative. Mary, welcome, and thanks for being here.
3: Happy to be here, thanks for having me.
0: So I just wanted to start off by asking each of you to talk a little bit about your personal journey within community media and grassroots journalism you know, how did you get started and what originally attracted you to this kind of work? Abby, maybe I'll kick it to you first, because as I understand it, this started for you back in college.
1: Yeah. So uh, I found radio in college and my format was mostly, well, only pretty much music. I did a little bit of a talk show with a friend every now and then. But um, and that, you know, I graduated and ended up working at a radio station and I had you know, a six hour shift where I'd play music. Um, I did an hour long show uh, called uh, Abbey's Road where I would uh, play a vinyl record and talk about music facts. And I actually ended up taking that with me to Rochester when I moved here and I got into community radio um, to keep my skills going, learn new things, be around people doing the like, uh, like work as well. Uh, And I did the Abbey's Road segment, but um, as far as journalism goes, I didn't have any experience in college. Um, I'm definitely a natural born questioner. I, I like to ask questions, like to talk to people. Um, so even though it was kind of scary to try it, it felt somewhat like a natural avenue, at least for Updiscovery discovery myself to see if I could do it. Uh, there was a bit of a learning curve for sure. Uh, it's a lot easier to be excited about it until you're right in front of the mic talking to somebody brand new, but Um, what I liked about community journalism, uh, was there was just a sense of community among the other reporters. So I was learning from other reporters as being able to kind of, uh, shape my sound. And yeah, that was kind of how I fell into it.
0: Yeah. I can certainly relate to that too, Abby myself. Um, you know, I, I got into community journalism in Madison, Wisconsin, and really that experience, um, Uh, put me face to face with the community in a way that, you know, I I hadn't gotten to know my own community and I'm sure it was a good way to get to know Rochester um, after you moved here.
1: Oh my gosh. Yeah. I felt like I was able to navigate myself because before that it was just work and, you know, people that um, I knew through uh, my partner. So it was a way to kind of get out there and meet other creatives in the area, other, um, you know, people making decisions in Rochester, uh, and I really made it so that it was my city as well, and I and I had a role in it, and I had, uh, you know, friendships or people that I met along the way.
0: Mary, you have a somewhat different trajectory to media. Um, you taught media literacy for a while in Germany. Um, how did you, or what are the connections between that work and, you know, uh, the work you've done uh, at the radio station at WXIR?
3: Sure. I think I could even add a little bit more. Uh, I did a lot of acting in high school and college, so I'm also bringing sort of a performance aspect to it, which is something I've been interested in a long time. I taught in Germany for a couple years. I was teaching English, but I thought it was especially important to focus on media literacy, especially because even in Germany, much of the media that the students are seeing uh, might be in English or may have still a really strong bias. So I wanted to make sure that they understood how to engage responsibly with media. The way that I got to WXIR specifically was through this work. I came back to Rochester three years ago after living in Germany for two years and reconnected with a former friend Um, from Nazareth College, who hosts the Evidence of Design radio show. And he invited me on as a guest to talk about media literacy. So we spent two episodes discussing that on the show. And then I kind of got hooked. And I've been with WXIR ever since, still contributing to Evidence of Design every week. Um, I now do the sound and now contributing to RTN. But it's been really cool I'm actually planning to study library science. So media and media literacy is still something that's going to move forward with me in my career. And it's been really neat to tie together the acting I used to do to be able to perform online uh, or on air and to get to write, to keep up my writing skills and really learn about um, what's going on in media and what's going on in Rochester.
0: And Laura, how about you? How did you come to uh, community media, to community reporting? I know you have long had an interest in podcasting. Was that your initial interest was in audio and sound? Or how do you find yourself at WXIR and, and Reclaiming the Narrative?
2: A little bit like Mary. My, my background was a lot in uh, theater and music uh, as a kid. And so my first experience of community radio was 25 years ago when I was... Um, That was my work experience because they didn't have a local TV station. So I went to the local um, radio, but we were very rural and we didn't have many stories. So that whole work experience was a lot of me just sitting in the office waiting for the phone to ring. So um, (laughs) I think that I at that point didn't really see any interest in radio for me moving forward for a long, long time. And then, as you said, maybe about... um, four years ago, I started listening to podcasts, and I, I really was um, overwhelmed by the way that they allowed ordinary people to tell their stories, you know, and made um, the the possibility for people to connect with people all over the world in a fairly cheap format and tell their stories themselves. Um, so that I I took classes at RCTV about that and um, and then from there the reason that I I jumped at the chance when um, discussed joining the team what, was that living in Rochester for the the past five years I noticed a massive disconnect between what I was um, hearing and and seeing in terms of media reporting and what I would notice outside my front door in terms of what uh, local community people were saying and um, what I was witnessing. So uh, I really thought this was an exciting opportunity to actually try to let more people tell their, their, their story and their perspective on issues which sometimes have a very one-sided uh, approach to them.
0: That is a perfect segue into what I wanted to talk about next, which was um, our mission here at Reclaim the Narrative, um, which launched three years ago on WXIR. Our goal has been to make an intervention in the way the city of Rochester, New York, is uh, depicted in the news media specifically. And we wanted to get to a place where we were not only producing more representative coverage of the issues and movements, Uh, that matter to city residents, but also to empower community members themselves to take up their cell phones, their microphones, their tablets, uh, and and to do the reporting themselves. Um, So, you know, I'd like to just go around again and ask you all for your thoughts on the state of news reporting in Rochester generally. Um, And also, if you can talk about a specific story that either you covered or someone else covered that kind of stands out to you.
3: I don't know that the way I'm answering this is necessarily about a story that was covered well or not, but just one that I thought of, especially in relationship to Rochester and learning about how the city works. And this was just a really short segment that we covered on the inequality index at the beginning of April of this year, since our segment is is still relatively new. But I looked into the creation of the police accountability board, which is still a relatively new and not fully developed department in the city of Rochester. And, you know, we voted within the city of Rochester on the police accountability board in 2019. So it's it's been around in the news for a while, but it was really fascinating and a great opportunity for me to report on it because I actually looked into the entire budget and the way that they had set up the department, the way that they forecasted everything being set up. Uh, And I don't really think I would have had that opportunity or really had the desire to look at a city budget in any other circumstance. Uh, So I I really appreciated reporting on that story and specifically looking at the budget because it, it did teach me a lot about how a city department gets set up and all the work that goes into it.
0: And, and that's a subject that, Laura, you and I have had um, a lot of discussions about uh, city government, county government, uh, budgeting, and the issues of transparency.
2: Yeah, I um, <clears throat> I have had many a sleepless night since joining <laughs> RTN, uh, thinking about budgets and um, city... Uh, city council happenings really i remember in our early conversations about what would i like to cover i was really excited about covering uh, what was happening at, at city council level because it was something that i personally didn't know much about and uh, really wanted to to know more and share more with the community since so many of the decisions made there uh have have an impact on us um And I remember approaching my, my first story and thinking, okay, if I just attend all of the, the zoom meetings, um, I'll start to get a a picture of what's going on. And and I get to the final meeting and I'm getting ready to try and get some audio for this great news story. And I realized that I was just as confused as I was at the first meeting about what the changes actually meant, um, so i think that that um that experience uh, really helped me uh, like mary said to to think okay i need to look differently how can i find that information um and become more investigative in you know my expectations that i wasn't just going to find it um sitting in front of me, and I was going to have to do some serious digging to be able to not only find the information, but explain it to other people. If I don't understand it, I'm guessing a lot of other people don't. So um, I'm very grateful for that very steep learning curve of that first story.
0: Is there a specific story that stands out to you that um, where you feel like you... Uh, We're able to kind of crack into a little bit of how the sausage, uh, proverbial sausage is made.
2: Yeah, I think that um, the story that really most excited me, um, thinking back on why I wanted to get involved with RTN anyway, um, was when we started looking at uh, the issue around uh, dirt bikes. And there was so much um media coverage about dirt bikes, but it was all from the perspective of what a nuisance they are and and the this, the safety issues some which are very legitimate safety issues um uh, and protecting riders from injury, but was all very much steeped in this idea of um these are bad people doing bad things and um I was really uh, grateful um for um Demon Meeks uh, taking the opportunity to do a community forum to actually hear from from dirt bike riders, and I was really excited to to take some audio from that and, and cover that because that was the first time I personally had heard from anybody as to why they might be doing it, but also it was the first time that I heard about their uh, their dreams, aspirations, and plans for where that could take them. Um, and to me, it was really powerful audio to hear about their intention of, you know, creating jobs and economy around the, this passion they have for, for dirt bikes. And it was one of those opportunities t- when you've constantly heard one side of the story to really flip that and hear about um, about other aspects of it. So I was definitely very excited to get that opportunity, which is somewhat rare to actually hear from the people involved.
0: So, Abby, I'm going to put the same question to you. Um, your thoughts on the state of news reporting in Rochester generally, and um, if, you, if there's a specific story that you covered or someone else covered that uh, really stands out to you.
1: News is relatively new to me in general. So I feel like getting into news, uh, especially local news, I was definitely a learner. I had some uh, wonderful interactions with uh, some artists over my couple years doing this uh, with pieces that maybe like you wouldn't know were happening. Like they were either just kind of like a pocket in the night or um, kind of a live-in art installation that maybe you walk by, and you don't even notice. Um, one example, I did this really cool dovetail. Our uh, installation coverage. I uh, I met him and it was raining, and that was like definitely new territory for me, recording outside and nonetheless like dealing with Mother Nature. I had a couple other experiences like that. Um, sometimes you know technical difficulty. Sometimes just out of you know the venue was a chaotic venue, and um, you know it sometimes can be distracting as far as getting your story, but. Um, you got to do the best that you can and work with what you got. And a lot of the times, because you're kind of accepting that and you're really then relying on the interview and the interaction with the person, it creates something really amazing. And that really happened that day. I actually ended up being downtown at another point and was able to bring somebody by to take a look at it. Um, And I mean, really quick, another one was just like a bookstore and it was a winter night and It was late and on the upstairs of this bookstore, there was this guy and he was young and he was doing some really crazy artwork um, based upon like kaleidoscopes, these interactive, uh, he called them portals where you would put sticks or colored rocks or even your hand and it would just create this image. And it was on um, old equipment, like old televisions, old electronic equipment that he repurposed into these art these art machines basically. And it was just, it was just this moment in time. And and I don't think I would have ever seen something like that in a well-established, you know, media scene. Um, But it's cool that, that, you know, you can bring listeners there and kind of expose not only the artists and their work, but um, just the reality that like, if you look, you can find something like that in Rochester.
0: I I wanted to Transition here a little bit and just talk about community media more generally. It's media that is not driven by the need for clicks. Reporters are not beholden to economic interests, but at the same time, it's not produced necessarily by. Uh, radio professionals, professional journalists. And so uh, those who are in community media often bring a a different sort of sensibility to the reporting that they do. Um, And and one thing that I think has been important to me as uh, the editor and, you know, kind of publisher for Reclaiming the Narrative is to try to create a sense of community among reporters doing community media. Um, Because what we often find is um, there are live streamers out there who go to protests and do coverage to their own personal pages and and so on, but community media is able to connect uh, citizen journalists and producers with each other to learn from each other, uh, to get mentorship, resources, um, and and really uh, a sense of community. So um, with that as kind of backdrop, um, just, wanted to hear from each of you about you know what community media means to you um, what are the benefits of engaging in this kind of media work specifically and and also what are the challenges
2: I think that um, one of the the things that hasn't been a challenge at this point but is likely to become a challenge in the future is that I started doing community Uh, radio at a time in the pandemic, where everything was suddenly available um, online. So I could attend those meetings from home. And as a parent of a fairly young child, those are the kind of spaces that I've really been excluded from until now, because I'm not able to go down to City Hall for those meetings in the evenings. I'm not able to get out to places that um, people with, with more family might be able to and so to me the excitement of it was wow I can actually report and talk about these things and gain access to spaces that I've never been in before Um, and one of the the same thing the challenge is how as we transition and change in this pandemic how much of that will continue so that's one of the things that I find makes me a little bit apprehensive um, about being able to continue to um, talk about those things and, and not just talk about them, but get the audio from the people who were there. If you're not in the room with them, sure, you can report on it and, and talk about it. But you you want to hear from the original voices who are saying the things. So, um, you know, that's uh, something that I feel very grateful to have started that journey during a time where there was so much access. Uh, And I I really hope that um, access will continue.
1: Um, One of the positive things I I think about being a part of community journalism, um, for me at least, I just, anytime we would have meetings, um, I mean, in the station, I feel like everybody's kind of, because they have either other jobs or this is a volunteer thing, um, sometimes it's hard to cross paths with people. Um, but I feel like having this general spot where I have other journalists that I can reach out to, um, you can learn from other people. I've collaborated with people. Um, it definitely helps to get outside of your box. And I think it was always really exciting to see, um, cause you don't have to be, you can contribute as, as you know much as you can, whether that means you're a weekly contributor or you know every now and then. Um, I felt like there was always something that anyone could bring to that table. Um, because everybody's background is different because everybody's interest is different. Um, it was just really a, a great brainstorming um, zone to kind of uh, you know chat with these other people and um, I've definitely had people give me leads before. Um, so I think, or help me, you know, con like get in contact with other, you know, Hey, Abby, I thought you would, this would be something that you would, uh, you would like or whatever, or being able to offer that help to somebody else. It definitely, um, is helpful when, uh, you know, the challenges do set in because sometimes your leads don't always work out. Um, so being in contact with other journalists and, uh, being able to, to have that platform has definitely really helped me um, learn and succeed.
3: To kind of go off your point, Abby, too, of doing the ability to do as much or as little as you need in any given time, because this isn't a job for most of us, uh, and it's just something that we like to do, I've found that it's... Given me the opportunity to, to try a lot more things than I might have been able to if this was work
2: um, mm-hmm.
3: that I was going to every day. So within WXIR, you know, we, we um, I have a, a weekly show that I contribute to, and I never could have seen myself in the studio running a soundboard, but that's what I do every week. And it's so cool. And I've learned to really enjoy it and kind of get to troubleshoot with that. And I'm still learning a lot more, Um, but it's allowed me to try that out with no pressure. And uh, then on the other hand, when we're actually looking at stories that we're writing, Because we don't have to churn out a new story all the time, I think it allows us to develop the stories at the pace that we need to most of the time so that we can investigate a little more if we need to. And I think we can investigate sometimes a little more than professional journalists might be able to and in a different way with a different perspective. Um, So having that as a, a, a real asset to community journalism, I find.
0: Well, as we begin to wrap up here, I wanted to ask you all, what is next? Either your own personal media goals or your goals for uh, reclaiming the narrative or uh, just for community media as a movement uh, in in Rochester and and across the nation. And here... um, Abby, maybe we'll start with you, our longest-term contributor at Reclaiming the Narrative, and this year, you are moving from Rochester. Uh, what's, what's next for you? How are you going to keep media in your life?
1: If I could do it all over again with Rochester, I would have done community radio sooner. It was a year in that I had already lived there, so I definitely i am um, looking to try to break into some kind of a paid gig, whether it is in radio or in audio. But I definitely want to continue to do community radio, um, you know, regardless in the beginning when I don't have something set up and I'd love to, you know, even if I do find something, be able to to do uh, community radio. I um, I want to have a show with a friend that's out there. Um, And I think I've always considered myself as more of a co-host. I like playing off of other people's energy, which is why I loved interviewing people and talking to people. Um, I don't know if I'd go back to the solo show. I definitely think if I did, I love the fact what um, Reclaiming the Narrative specifically taught me um, is just like segments, variety, having um, maybe something in place in your hour long show that um, gets you out there, gets you talking to people. It's pretty, I, I'm very excited to to try that new path.
0: Well, we will certainly miss you, but wish you all the best. And Mary, we're going to be losing you to graduate school, but um, I know that because of your interests in uh, literacy and media literacy, that um, there's there's still going to be a connective thread there. So what's, what's next for you?
3: Absolutely. I was actually just about to jump in to say, I was so inspired, Abby, when I found out that You weren't from Rochester and that you got into community radio in Rochester as a way to get to know the city. And I'm actually really planning to bring that with me. I've already found an independent media center that is connected both with the university and the city where I'm moving. So I'm hoping to get in touch with them. But yeah, Darian, I mean, media is a huge part of the field that I'm going into, uh, library and information science. And as Laura mentioned earlier, we really need to hear stories of people in their own words. And I think it's really important to hear stories both now and from the past. Um, So that's part of what I'm bringing into my field and career. Um, So I don't know, necessarily that I'll be on the radio anytime soon. But I think my time at the radio station in Rochester um, will definitely affect the way that I move forward in my degree and my field.
0: Yeah, and we will miss you very much here and wish you all the best as well. And um, Laura, so you are sticking around in Rochester, as far as I know, right? Yes. <laughs> <So> yes. <laughs> what What do you hope this next year holds for you in terms of your own work in media um, and and kind of community media in Rochester more generally?
2: So for me personally, um, I'm working on a couple of podcast projects and I've been working on them for so long because I struggle with this drive for perfection. And my work on RTN has really tried to help me break that down and, and and get something out on a weekly deadline. So I'm hoping that that will encourage me to move forward with, with those projects personally. But I guess for RTN, what I'm really looking forward to um, there are so many voices in our community that are not listened to and who don't have a platform to share their experience. And I think that um, that's exactly what RTN is about. So I guess I'm excited to see who will be the next newbie and um, <laughs> what they're, they're going to share and how how the show will evolve based on their passions, their perspectives, and, um, you know, what's next for us as a group.
0: All right. Well, thank you all so much for your time today and for your contributions over the years to Reclaiming the Narrative. This has been a Reclaiming the Narrative roundtable reflection on community media and grassroots journalism in Rochester, New York. We've been speaking with Abby Clark, our arts and culture reporter for Reclaiming the Narrative. Thank you so much for all you've contributed to the show over the years and best of luck to you uh, in your new journey.
1: Thank you so much for having me. This has been such a special and important part of my life.
0: Laura Smith is a reporter for Reclaiming the Narrative. Laura, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. And finally, Mary Lawrence is a reporter and co-producer of the Inequality Index on Reclaiming the Narrative. Mary, best of luck to you, and thank you so much for taking the time out today uh, to share your reflections.
3: Thank you, Darian.
0: I'm Darian Lehman. Until next time, take care of yourselves and each other.